Well, morning, church. Um, love you guys. Just continue to miss you. Just want you to know we, um, as the elders and staff, are in the process of making this building, uh, our sanctuary, just safe uh, and ready to gather again. We're uh, still waiting for a few more supplies to come to make sure we can do this right and gather safely together. Um, so more updates and info on that coming soon your way. Um, this morning, uh, and I, we're, we're going to do something different again. Um, if you have been um, engaged with uh, human beings outside of your house the past week, you will know uh, that our nation right now, our communities, our cities, our nation, um, are in a place of great turmoil and grief. Um, there is division, there is hurt, there is pain. Um, and so together, what we are going to do this morning is we are going to ask, what does God say? What does God say about all the things going on in our nation right now? Does God say anything? And uh, yes, he does. He does. So um, together, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, a passage of scripture um, that, that addresses some of the things that, that are really in the forefront of our nation right now. Um, will you turn with me to the book of Psalms? And we're going to look at Psalm 89 together, Psalm 89. We're going to focus on verse 14. Uh, and the, the title of this sermon is Where Justice and Mercy Meet. Where Justice and Mercy Meet. So I'm going to read Psalm 89, uh, just verse 14. I'm reading out of the NASB. Uh, I'll read this text and I'll pray for us. And then let's let's just hear from God and consider what he would say to us together as a church in this time. Psalm 89, verse 14. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Lord, right now, I ask that you would help us to be still, to still our hearts and our minds, and that we would fix our attention onto you, God. Holy Spirit, help us be still and help us pay attention to your word, to what you are saying, to reality carp. Jesus, I confess I, uh, I am far from sufficient to speak for you, and so I will, I will only attempt, Lord, just to be faithful to communicate what you have said. Lord, I, I confess I really acutely feel my weakness, my inability. Um, but you, Jesus, are sufficient. Your spirit is sufficient. Your word is sufficient. So we look together, God, have mercy on us. Help us hear from you and grow to be more like the person of Jesus and, and more of the church you would have us be that we would love you, Lord, with all of our heart, soul, mind, strength, and we would love our neighbors as ourselves, that we would honor and glorify the name and person of Jesus. And Lord, that more would come to see the hope and peace and justice and healing and righteousness that are found in you, God. So have mercy on us now. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, 2,500 years ago, in the city of Jerusalem, uh, the, the, where the people of God would go to worship, where the temple was, where they would offer sacrifices, where they would hear and study the word of God. 
the, the temple was overthrown and the people were captured and the temple was, was ripped apart and was burned in the city of Jerusalem and the walls of Jerusalem were crumbled. And it was in, in that context that the psalmist, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote Psalm 89. Verse 46 puts the uh, emotional tone right. It just says, he says, How long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? The psalmist was looking out at the, the, the temple of God and the, the city of Jerusalem and he was just longing, how long, O Lord? Verse 40 speaks of, it says, you have broken down all his walls. You have brought his strongholds to ruin. The very walls of the city of Jerusalem were crumbling. And in verse 41, it says, all who pass along plunder him. He has become a reproach to his neighbors. People were taking advantage of this city as it was broken. And literally, uh, people were plundering the city of Jerusalem. Now, here's the most important and significant thing for the people of God at this moment. Because the psalmist is remembering God's covenant to David, the king. And God promised David, David, on your throne, there will be a king forever and ever. But at this moment for the people of God in Psalm 89, hear me, the throne was empty. The throne was empty. There was no king. There was no justice. There was no law and order. There was no mercy. There was no leadership. In the context of Psalm 89, the city was burning, was collapsed. The temple of God was destroyed and the throne of God, the throne of David that God set up was empty. And so the psalmist in Psalm 89, he's remembering, he's reflecting on God's promises, his words to David. If you look at the heading of Psalm 89, it it says in the NASB, the Lord's covenant with David and Israel's afflictions. The psalmist is groaning, he's, he's yearning, he's longing for things to be right again. And he's crying out to God, God, remember your promises. Where's the justice? Where's your king? Where's the people of God? Where are they to worship right now? God, where are you? How long, O Lord? And as the people of God were in this uh, corporate, national suffering, the spirit of God, through a prophet of God, gave us Psalm 89. Now, here's what is so beautiful about the Bible, in particular about the Psalms, is that the Psalms are like, they're like tracks for us to to. Uh, let our emotions and our heart and, and our mind and our thoughts, it, it's, like a, it's like a ready-made track. So when we are in a place of grieving and suffering or we're confused, the Psalms are like the Holy Spirit saying, hey, think this way, feel this way, go this way. And so often when I or when we are in a place and we're, we're, we don't know what to think or feel, the Psalms are where we can go and God is giving us 
a way forward. He's giving us words to pray and he helps put words uh, to our emotions and our heart and, and it guides our minds. And so Psalm 89 is for the people of God in a time of corporate uh, suffering and lament and confusion where there's no justice, where the people of God couldn't gather to worship, where things weren't right. We have the Psalms and we have Psalm 89. Now, we just wanna focus um, this morning on just a single verse because in this single verse, uh, there's really two main ideas in this single verse and, and these two ideas capture so well what God would have for us to remember as a church in today's world and society. So we're just gonna look at verse 14 and we're gonna look at two main ideas. We're just gonna look at the first half of the verse and the second half of the verse. And so the, the first half of the verse, the first important truth that we must look to that the spirit of God says, think this way, look this way is this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Hear that again, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. The people of God, love righteousness and they love justice. Those things are so precious to us as the people of God that they're the very foundation of God's throne. They are precious to us because they are precious to God. God's very throne is established on righteousness and justice. And so when the world experiences injustice, and unrighteousness, the people of God grieve. We grieve. It should bother us when we see injustice and when we see unrighteousness. And listen, the world right now is upset because of acts of injustice. And that's the world who don't even know this God <coughs> whose very throne it's founded on justice and righteousness. So if the world would be concerned about these things, surely the children of God, the people of God who can approach that throne, surely we are to be concerned about justice and about righteousness. And any act of partiality, any act of injustice, any bit of suffering that is not righteous, any, anything that violates someone's dignity as an image bearer of God. Anytime we see injustice or unrighteousness, we grieve and we care. And God, his very throne is founded on these things. God cares. He cares about justice and righteousness. Now, now I want us to notice something here. It, it, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of what? It says of your throne, your throne. Now, again, in this context, this is speaking of, uh, they're thinking of the throne of David and there's no king on the throne. But the psalmist is saying, there is a throne that is founded on justice and righteousness. And that's God's throne. And right now, the psalmist is saying, and right now, church, God is seated on his throne. 
And that throne is founded on righteousness and justice. Now it's important for us to know this. Only, we will only ever seek pure, true righteousness and justice at the throne of God. That is the only place where we see perfect righteousness and justice. And as Christians, we are not surprised when this world is the world and it is not a place of righteousness and justice. And that is why Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, the Lord's prayer, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, on God's throne that is founded on justice and righteousness, things are right. And so we pray, Lord, as things are right there in heaven, may they be right here. And so we as Christians, we pray and we long for truth and justice. But again, we have to remember, where do we see what justice looks like? True justice, only at the throne of God. We would not even know what the concept of justice and righteousness is if it were not for God. We as humans who are so prone to uh, put ourselves first or our group first or our desires first, we have been abusing uh, one another in various forms and ways for from the beginning, the very first two brothers, one brother murdered another, there has been injustice in humanity from the beginning. And the only way we could ever know what justice is, is by looking to the throne of God, the one who, who is just and holy and upright. There is no injustice in God. And so where as Christians do we learn to find righteousness? What does justice look like? We look to God. We look to his very throne. And so, so on a really practical note for us as Christians, what do we do in a season when, when injustice is occurring, where there is um, great um, unrighteousness and injustice in our world, what do we do? Uh, I just have three pieces just really practical for us. The first thing we do when we see and experience injustice, listen, the first thing we do is we bring our grief and our longing for justice to God, to the throne of God. The only place where we're gonna find it, the only place that will be able to sustain us in this time of grief for some of us in our church. Now, I know some of us may not, right now be emotionally affected um, by what is going on in our nation. We're not the same. We're not built the same. We don't have the same backgrounds and histories. Uh, we don't have, we're not all from the same cultures and ethnicities. But, but if you are upset, the first thing to do is, is bring your grief, bring it to the throne of God. Bring it to him. Pray the Psalms. Bring these desires to him. The second thing we do, and this is maybe for some of the others of us who, who may not identify all the way with, with this grief, what we practice is, we, is, the second thing is we practice empathy and compassion with our brothers and sisters who are grieving and mourning. We weep with those who weep. We try to put ourselves. what would it be like to be in this situation? What would it be like to be someone um, of a different 
ethnicity, a different culture, a different background than me? What, what could they be feeling right now? We practice empathy with other people. This is what the entire uh, parable of the, the Good Samaritan was all about. Um, that Samaritan was from a culture that was deeply hated by the Jews. And so you see a priest walk by and he didn't want to do anything with it. And a Levi walks by and he didn't want to do anything. And, and then just an ordinary Jewish man walks by, but he has empathy on this man, even though he could walk by and he despises his culture and he's different. And there's all this history between the two cultures. He has empathy and he acts on that, that opportunity to love his neighbor. And he shows empathy and mercy and actually does what he can for this person right next to him, right before him. I I would love for us church to grow in empathy for one another in this season. And then third, this is for all of us. First, we bring our our grief, our, our emotions to the Lord. Second, we practice empathy. The third, this is important, you guys. We need to look to God to understand what justice is. We look to his word to understand justice. We live in a world that does not have all of the tools, the categories to understand what is going on in the world. But, but God, who, who created humanity, knows the soul, knows the heart, knows the mind. He knows what truth is and what justice is and righteousness is. God has given us the right categories, the biblical lenses to understand what's going on in, in the world. Listen, the, the world and our culture will often use unbiblical philosophies and ideas and even worldviews that, that do not faithfully um, line up with what God has said. And so we need to think about justice biblically. God, what is injustice to you? What is justice to you? What is sin to you? What is repentance to you? What do you say about every tongue, tribe, and nation? What do you say about reconciliation? What do you say, God? What do you say? We need to remember, um, even as we have compassion on the world as it's grieving, we need to remember we do not just wholeheartedly accept all of uh, the truths or worldviews from the world. No, we have God's word to understand these things, to truly help these things. And so the third thing we, we have to do, remember, justice and righteousness are the foundation of God's throne. God knows what righteousness and truth is. And so would we continue to press in, um, not just to listen um, as we should to the world and have empathy, but also to listen to God. God, help us understand truth and righteousness and justice. And listen, this is just one sermon, one Sunday um, as we grow as a church. Um, in these areas, this is a longer conversation, but, but we need to begin to th- think biblically. God, what do you say about justice? What do you say about righteousness? And so the first thing in this verse to remember, righteousness and justice are the foundation of the throne of God. They matter to him. They matter to him. Now, the second half of this verse is so important. That it, that, that it would go together with the first half. Because right now um, in society, the, the, the word and the cry is for justice. And that is understandable because there has been a lack of justice. 
Uh, that is completely right. But verse 14 tells us something else is important that goes with justice and righteousness. Look at the second half of this verse. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Loving kindness and truth go before you. Uh, that phrase, go before you, um, speaks of like a, a message coming forth from the throne. Um, it, it, it's often used of a herald or a messenger of the king. So the, the, here's the king and his throne is founded on righteousness and justice. But what's the first thing the king says? What's the message the king has to his people? What goes before the throne? What is the thing that leads the way from this throne of righteousness? Well, it's loving kindness. What is God's message to the world as he sits on a throne of justice? Loving kindness and mercy. If all, if all we had was justice, first and foremost, not a person could stand before God. Not a person could stand before that throne that is founded on justice and righteousness. And that's between a, a, a person and God. If, if take God out of the picture and if all society had was justice. Someone put it this way, an eye for an eye makes the whole world go blind. It may be just. Uh, if someone takes out your eye to take out their eye. But we've all lived on this world long enough to know that if all there was was justice, we would ruin one another. We would, one would act unjustly and then the next person would act unjustly back. Or, or would ask for justice to be served and, and we would so quickly wrong one another. And if all there was was justice, we would ruin ourselves. And so God says, yes, justice and righteousness are the foundation of my throne, but there's something else. There's something else that has to lead the way. And it's called loving kindness. Loving kindness. Church, I want to remind us that we are Christians. That you and I have been forgiven. We have received the mercy and loving kindness of God for every sin we've ever committed, past, present, and future. That as Christians, God has diverted his justice and has given us loving kindness. And again, if it were not for his loving kindness, we could never approach that throne of justice. Now, now again, we don't, we don't pit loving kindness against justice. We don't say, you know, well, Christians, they're just the, the loving kindness people. But these people over here, well, they're the justice people. Or we shouldn't even say, well, you know, there's some Christians, they're all just about grace. And then there's other Christians who are all about justice. 
these things go hand in hand. Justice is the foundation of God's throne and yet he gives loving kindness from that throne. He extends his hands to be merciful. These things go hand in hand. And so what that means for Christians is while yes, we need to be absolutely about justice and we need to bring our lament and our grief about injustice to the Lord and have compassion on those who aren't just and we need to study justice and we need to make sure that our governments are doing their God-given role (coughs) to enforce justice. It means we are also people of mercy. We are people of mercy. I I want three really practical things for us here. Um, First and foremost, we are to... We are to be people of mercy. We are to be about reconciliation between people and people. We are to be about reconciliation between God and people. We are those who proclaim and are about and act on God's loving kindness. We don't separate God's justice and his mercy. And so we care about justice and then we also care about mercy. The second thing, and I, I kind of said this earlier, that doesn't mean we, we don't care about temporary justice. We still care about temporary justice. We still call for governments to be just. And we call one another to be just and right. And, but third, and this is how these two things go hand in hand, we, we act with loving kindness and mercy. Second, we still, we don't let go of justice. Third, hear this, We trust ultimate judgment and justice to God. We trust ultimate justice to God. When someone sins against us, we can forgive them. We can extend mercy to them. Now, what if they continue to mistreat us? Or what if they never ask for forgiveness? What if they continue to act unjustly? Well, listen, either God will deal with that person through Jesus on the cross Or the day will come when they will stand before God and God will enact justice on that day. And so Christians, we are not the judges. Though we care about justice, we are not the judges. We are not to look at one another's hearts and enforce and impose our own judgment on one another. Do we trust judgment with God? Say, God, you see, you know, I trust you. The foundation of your throne is justice. And I trust judgment with you. Now, remember again, this psalm is a psalm about God's covenant to David, that, that he would have a king on his throne forever and ever and ever. And at the moment this psalm was written, the throne was empty. There was no apparent justice. There was no apparent righteousness. There was no mercy or truth going forth. But as Christians, as Christians, we know that David's throne is not empty. That even when we are living through times of injustice, what do we know? We know David's throne is not empty. And think about this. Jesus left heaven, so to speak, emptied himself, took on flesh. 
And his life ended with the greatest act of injustice that humanity has ever seen. He was the only truly innocent man. And yet he died at the hands of a mob and at the abuse of the power of the state. And he died, he suffered injustice on the cross. And not only human injustice, Jesus in the moment he hung on the cross, he was giving his life. He was laying his life as a perfect sacrifice to to taste the justice and judgment of God for humanity. He drank the cup of the wrath of God. He laid down his life so that he would suffer punishment for human injustice that he had not committed. And then he died. And then three days later, he rose again and he took his seat on the throne of David. That is the way God allowed justice and mercy to meet. Justice, God's justice, and the loving kindness of God They met on the cross in the person of Jesus. And so now Jesus sits on his throne and that throne is still founded on righteousness and justice. And yet he can extend mercy to you, to me, to every person on the planet. If they would trust in Jesus, all of their sin would be forgiven all the times they acted, they offended the throne, the righteousness of God, they would be forgiven and they would receive mercy. And so church, even as we are in this world and even as we grieve and even as we long for justice, we keep our eyes, we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. We are the church. We fix our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on him and and even as the psalmist cries out and we may feel this way right now how long o lord how long lord are we to live in this world that's broken how long o lord we are to remember that the throne is not empty that throne founded on righteousness and justice it's not empty and we follow him the one who carries a cross. We pick up our cross and we do what God said in Micah 6, 8. We do justice. We love kindness and we walk humbly with our God. So for now, we, we wait. We wait to see him face to face when, when he will establish his throne on the earth, the first throne that will be perfectly just and perfectly righteous and perfectly merciful. And until that day comes, we wait and we cry and we say, how long, O Lord? But we keep our eyes fixed on him and we do justice and we love kindness and we walk humbly with our God. So Lord, I just ask, please, Holy Spirit, keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, would we do justice? Lord, would we love kindness and mercy? And would we walk humbly with you, God? Again, I just ask, Spirit of God, you would comfort those who are grieving. 
you would lead others of us into deep compassion and understanding. And Lord, would we do justice and keep our eyes fixed on you. All of our hope is in you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I just want to close by saying, if you have any questions or concerns, um, if you want to know more about Jesus, what it means to trust in him and walk with him. Uh, at the bottom of our worship guide, there's a connect uh, link. Please click on that. You can email a pastor or a staff member. We would um, love to get in contact with you. We love you, Reality Carp. Um, and please be praying that we uh, are able to gather together soon.